shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Well, welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. Today we are joined by Shit Show Melinda. Welcome. Hey, everyone. Hi. Love having you in group. We've just been having a nice chat about all different things. And I was like, time to record. Hold the phone. Let's get this shit in the episode. Um, so you're in Salt Lake. Did you grow up there? I grew up in Utah, but mm-hmm. not in this, this city area. I Were grew you up Mormon? I grew up, yes, Mormon. Okay. But we'll get into it, it wasn't like Mormon here in the city. It, I was very rural. Um, we have one county high school. And I graduated in the biggest graduating class. No stoplights, cattle farm, extremely rural. I had no neighbors, uh, totally isolated. Wow. How many people were in your graduating high school class? It was 300. Okay. And like, basically you went to school with them. Like, is there much like in and out? Like, are there many people like moving to town and leaving town? No, it's typically everybody knows everybody else. Families, you know, if somebody new moves in, it's like, what? Who is that? Who are they? They're different. Yeah, it is that small. I mean, families from pioneers live there. Like people know other people's lineage there. It's that small and yeah there's not really a lot of growth at all that was my graduating class was the biggest one we've had what did both of your parents grow up there they did yeah yeah interesting so okay so what song do you want played when you walk into a room for the time right now that I'm in in life this will probably always change but right now it's independent women mm-hmm. destiny's child mm-hmm. love it Okay, carbohydrate. All sugars, cookies, candies, cinnamon bears, licorice, cupcakes, all that kind of just flat sugar. Um, Cheese. Cheese, when I do cheese, because I can't, it doesn't Mm, agree. I do like a brie, a fancy fucking brie with like the raspberries Mm -hmm. in it. You know, I go all out because it's... It's not going to. Because it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. It's, it's, and weirdly, I don't have that. I just feel, I think it's an allergy. I just feel bloated. And luckily, I don't get the digestive, but I just feel gross and like sluggish and feverish. And I think it's an allergy. It's, yeah. So lame. I go all out. I go yes. fucking all out. Yes. Um, and then condiments. Totally obsessed with them all, but picking my top, and I use a ton of them. Like I overuse. Me too. So ketchup, it's like whole ketchup bottle, all the mustard, and you know I'm just like if it's fries or whatever, the whole thing's dipped. But buffalo sauce, that's my top. Spicy, more vinegar, hot, hot, hot. Buffalo. Do you have a brand? There is this one I found, and I have only found it at Whole Foods. It's called Wing Time, and it has a bowl on the front, and they have different, so mild, medium, and hot, and they're hot. I I can't. And I eat jalapenos. I'll eat just, I'm good with hot. 
and their hottest is beyond, but they have the different levels. And that's the one I found that I just love. I don't. Okay. So tell me about how you learned that you were an adult child. The term has been recent, but I always knew something was not right. Something was not kosher, even very, very little. And I saw that in the questions I would ask my parents and adults around me. So I really knew from a young, young age, something wasn't okay. Mm. But the terms has been recent, really from your podcast. I've heard it in the past from other podcasts, but this has been kind of a weird little breadcrumb to get to this point, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, to find actually the term, you know, and resonated in the laundry list. But I weirdly always knew something wasn't right. And I thought it was me, you know, and everybody else did that too. I just Mm -hmm. thought I was the weird one. I was just kind of thought, am I an alien? What is wrong with all these people (laughs) around me, these adults? (laughs) And I I would ask them questions and I could tell they were like, oh, shit. She's asking (laughs) how to be answered. She fucked up. (laughs) I I remember being really little and I love to read and dive into books. And we didn't have, you know, that was way before the internet too, so... And the library, I'd have to trek on a horse, no joke, no joke, (laughs) or walk to get to the library. But I love going. But I remember one time reading the Bible, literally when I could first read, because I was so alone. You know, my parents weren't, they were there, but they were, had their own shit. And I remember asking my dad about Adam and Eve and I kept pushing and he didn't want to answer it in a sense because we were also kind of going to Mormon church. Finally, he just said, it's a story. He had had it with me because I kept going, this doesn't make sense to me. And I was always pushing because I was like, why can't this adult answer this question if they're Mm. making me go to this church? So. Mm. I always pushed and pushed, but I knew I just had that feeling something wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about what it was like in your home. Um, It was pretty much chaos. My parents were extremely young, like early 20s when they had me. And that for Utah is very common. Now it's yeah. getting that's a part of the Mormon LDS culture. It's almost like if you're not married right out of high school, and I got this because I haven't been married, that questions about my sexuality because I wasn't married, what's wrong with me. So that is kind of the typical, you marry, you know, right out of high school or when men come back from missions, they do a mission. Um, so very young. So they were really young. I always knew there was issues with my generational trauma. That was clear to me as a little kid, which is, I mean, it just, it was blatant. With How so? My dad's family and my dad was really open about it. So my parents treated me almost completely as a peer from Mm -hmm. little. Mm-hmm. They would talk to me as they were talking to their friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, my parents did this. My parents did that. When I was your age, my parents threw forks at my head. So from little, I mean, just baby, you know, I've they've treated me as a peer. So that's how I felt. I 
over responsibility, you know, to everything still, but they, they felt like friends. And so they made it clear, you know, it was especially my dad's family. And now seeing it, I didn't know it's a lot of mental illness Mm -hmm. on that side. Um, I think on my mom's side too, but in a different way, my dad's family, it's anger, violence, manipulation just if you would meet these people it's just even if you just the energy you don't want to be around them even if they aren't awful they they have a different sense of entitlement um and were you around them as a kid were they present not, not very much no um my dad's parents lived probably about 15 minutes away but my mom's parents were really our only neighbors. They were pretty close. They were about two acres away <laughs> so, <laughs> through the field. Um, so we were close with them. My grandma was a really almost a second mother for all of us. My I had cousins too that lived close and their parents were gone all the time playing band gigs. So my grandma was really kind of held it together. I credit her for having kind of a second mother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we saw the difference between my, cause my, you know, grandma I was so close with, I would see every day and, you know, and when we had these crummy other grandparents, we could, I think, see it even better. You know, they didn't, they would blurp on our names and shit when they, like, they didn't even remember our fucking names when they got to visit. <laughs> and as kids, you know, you pick that, we're like, <laughs> pick that shit up. As an adult, I wouldn't care, you know, but. Yeah. So is there like, when you think about your childhood, is there like a, a pivotal memory that you have? I don't think a pivotal one that at this point I have these certain events. Um, I I think one that I remember in my sense was asking my parents why they didn't want me Mm. when I was eight. Mm. I think that was the pivotal moment in this is who I am kind of Mm -hmm. in that young, like, and I don't know why I asked that question. Cause that's almost like a question I would ask now as an adult, like, why did you have me? And my mom's answer was really great at that time. It was, you know, we tried to, we really tried for you, mm. but I, I know again, cause everything was so out in the open, no boundaries, screaming. So I heard everything as a kid. Um, I know that my dad had done some like kind of not cheating but flirting before they were married before and I think my mom probably shouldn't have married him and then I think maybe trying to have kids was to fix fix it yeah because that always works Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so did you start to act out as a teenager or were you no no it was really weird I I think it was because my home life was so chaotic. It was loud and, and loud in good ways too. Um, a lot of humor and laughing. So that's how my dad was. If, and I see myself now in that, that it was a lot of the anxiety with the anger, but it was comedy and fun. So it was either intense 
scary yelling or intense anger, you know, it was just intense, whatever it was. Um, so there was that, you know, there was that comedy and other things, but it was mostly just chaos all of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I remember. So when I would be in school or anywhere else, I was almost like, I don't know if people thought I was shy. I didn't talk, but I had learned somehow if you smile and look like you're happy all the time. And I really got into a perfectionism mindset always. I had a midnight curfew. I would get stressed as fuck about the curfew. My other mm. friends are like, whatever. Why do you have a curfew? Because I had some friends that were not the eldest. They were the youngest. And so at that point, their parents were like, come home whenever. <laughs> so I, my friends would always get like, we've got to take you home, you know, and I would get anxious. If mm -hmm. I was a minute late, I was never a minute late. I did everything. I uh, professionally danced. So I, part of that, I knew how to perform. So I, I think it was a good way for me to get out of, outside of my situation. Maybe almost it was a break mm -hmm. because I knew that if I just played this perfectionism role, I could manage the outside world. Mm -hmm. I think that's how I was seeing it. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure you carried with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have issues with that too. Everything needs to be nice and clean. And I get a little, you know, I, I know OCDs in there with my big time. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> big time with my family and big time with me. <laughs> So when you look at the laundry list, what traits have caused you the most pain? All? No. <laughs> so, um, I think the oversense of responsibility, mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm responsible for every fucking thing. Every, even neighbors, people I don't know. When I go to a store, if the cashier doesn't know how the system, I feel like that's on me. Like I should get in there and know the system. <laughs> the the cash register. <laughs> yeah. Manage the store. I'm the fucking manager of Target. You know, I, I really do. I feel like that is on me. And it it does. It comes into everything in my world that it's on me. I'm responsible for other people's kids and, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not responsible, you know, for every detail, but that causes me the most anxiety and grief. Did you have an adult child bottom? Even if you didn't know what adult child several, was? Yeah, several, but um, several throughout my life. It's gone with, cause I've had some really weird fucked up health issues fucked up I could have been in a wheelchair I've had a stroke when I was 29 and had to physical therapy to walk again wow I mean there are little things people don't notice and I have resentment too because I didn't tell people I did this on my own I crawled around in my house I still work mm. I was out of my mind I shouldn't have driven but I pushed, I, you know, I like, I maybe, and I think maybe that was a good thing because I didn't give up, you know, I don't know. Some of those, we have those things. I think it's just managing 
you know, some of these things are superpowers sometimes. It's mm-hmm. just managing it. Mm-hmm. You know, being tenacious and over responsible is good in a lot of cases, but it's just that over overreach. So I've had a lot of health issues. And I, it's kind of been like this in my life where I'll have a bottom according to like the health issue, but recently a big bottom, like I think a lot of people was COVID. It has kind of just shaken up everything for a lot of people. It did for me, the big OCD. I have health anxiety because of these things I've had. Mm-hmm. So I always think it's going to be the worst. After this stroke, I thought I was having other strokes. Mm-hmm. Anywho, my my stroke was from a heart defect I had had my whole life. And I would pass out and have things as a kid and nobody ever could figure it. It was from this heart defect. So they fixed that through, it was a robotic surgery. So I joke now, I'm like Terminator. I have... <laughs> titanium and biofiber in my heart, literally, but that supposedly was the stroke deal. And weirdly, my dad had passed one year prior from a stroke before I had mine. Wow. And we didn't have time to find out why he had his. It was four days after his, he died. It totally, his brain, it just, I was there and he was very young, 47. Mm-hmm. And I was gearing up to take care of him because they were kind of telling me, I mean, he was going to be basically like a vegetable mm-hmm. and we'd have to take care of him. Um, and I watched him die. And, and really, I don't think I would have received the medical help I needed as quickly if he hadn't have had that because it's unusual. I'm 29 going to doctor's. I've had a stroke. Nobody believed that. They couldn't figure it out. So weirdly, that kind of kind of helped him. So that's been a weird thing, too, to have him die so early. Um, I've had therapists say that's probably better in your healing, but probably not because recently I'm realizing he was really a good protector of me. I always felt safe because he would use his anger I'm realizing that we had like, I think he had a system of, okay, somebody does this to you, you go and yell at them, you know, you get, and I've kind of carried that on, you know, if somebody is horrible to you, or so if like somebody aged your house, that gives you the right to go and scream at them and threaten them and things. So I always saw that as that's a sense of protection. Um, And that's kind of always why I was on time. I thought, oh, God, if I'm with a boy, heaven help what my dad would do, you know, to them. Mm-hmm. So I always felt protected in not the best way, but I'm realizing some of my fears now are that my dad's gone and mm-hmm. nobody has my back kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I've had those bottoms, but COVID really, because I was living in an apartment, a hallway, people are being crazy. And I was like, oh God, oh God. Cause I had always feared a pandemic. And then everybody tell me this shit will never happen because I OCD. So I go to therapy. What if there's a pandemic and everybody gets this respiratory disease? And so it's like, it has fucking happened. Everybody told me I was nuts and have OCD and this shit is real. So I kind of lost it, you know, just got 
I moved to my back to my small rural town. So that was my bottom mm. in a tiny cabin, not with my parents, but near, near, near my mom. My okay. dad's of course dead. I have a stepdad, but it was in the middle near my grandma. It was her guest house and she's passed since then. But at the time she was on oxygen and stuff and I work from home. So I thought, well, I can kind of help her and, you know, I will be outside of it. And I kind of had this stupid thought in my head that, oh, it's so real. It's not going to come here because these people live on farms and, you know, they're not going to be around each other. Well, it did get there. I mean, it got everywhere. But so when I got there, holy, it just was regression. Hmm. It was just like, I put myself back in the same fucking shit. It it couldn't have been a more blatant sign. And it was beyond stressful. Um, Day one, it was like I was arguing with my mom and she was knocking on my window while I was working. She works too. I set up boundaries, but it was because I had to stop. Prior, I had just let everything go just by being busy. Mm-hmm. Just go, go, go. Work, 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 gym, eating disorder, you know, just everything. I just like push myself to the brink. And that's what I did to cope. And COVID stopped that. And then putting me there, no gym, nowhere to go, stuck with my family that was it. And I got a therapist kind of, again, I've had therapy throughout my life, literally at 18 in high school, I went to a therapist. My parents did. I was just like, I don't know how I knew I needed. It was like weird. It was like, everybody thought I was perfect straight A scholarship. They're like, why are you going to a therapist? And I I did it on my own. I, with my parents' insurance card, mm-hmm. like that, I just did that shit. So I've had therapy throughout, but this was like, I got to have this to get out of it. Um, and so that therapist at that time, I was like, I'm going to buy a house. I'm never going to rent again. And at that time, that whole shit was going on with the crazy real estate. And I got into that too. And that broke my heart. It was so stressful. And then I would put in offers and hope I didn't get it, which was so weird to sit there and have anxiety that I hope. So Hmm. finally that therapist kind of like, you've just got to move your mom. Like I was like, yeah, if I have to rent, this is going to be better. So came back to the city While I was in that cabin, that's where I kind of was listening to podcasts. And I actually found yours from Dr. Drew's when you had Dr. Drew Mm -hmm. and his daughter on. Because I referred back to Dr. Drew because I love line. I was big love line, you know, fan. So that it's kind of been a breadcrumb trail to, to this point. I love it. So before we started recording, you shared that you worked at a crazy behavioral school and I want to hear all about it. Oh, <laughs> because thank, you know what? Thank God for those schools. Right. Cause that's actually, let's make the through line because that's actually how I got on Dr. Drew's podcast because oh. he was talking about that with Heather McDonald. And then I reached out to Heather about being sent to one of those schools and then she connected me to Dr. Drew and then he had me on. So, whoa. And I have to kind of admit, I kind of got a little zaddy crush on Dr. Drew. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. I know, I know. So 
like, oh, and his wife's talked about that. I'm obsessed on podcasts. He's like, gosh, she's like, gosh, everywhere we go, it's like Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think it's too, because he's such a good guy. I agree. He's so like into his wife and stuff as too, but um, too funny. But yeah, so again, coming back to, I thought every, you know, something was wrong. Um, I was like, I'm getting out of this town. I'm going to college. I got into psych. I don't know. I mean, maybe I was trying to fix myself. I I don't know. I I really resonated. I was going to go for English and be a writer and realized, you know, there's so many Stephen King's out there. So I kind of transitioned into psych and um, there was a treatment center. It was more set up as a school for behavioral issues an Mm -hmm. academy. They called Mm -hmm. it an academy. Mm -hmm. Was it a boarding school? I'm sorry. Was it boarding or boarding? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of made it seem like it was for more wealthy like behavioral, this is a private school. Kind of like where I got sent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so in my being young and caring and thought I was helping the world, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this while I'm getting my bachelor's, you know, as a side job. And I and I wasn't really in, in it too much. I wasn't there at the day. Just what I saw, what I did is I watched at night. So when everybody was sleeping, you know, they'd have us sit out in the hallways to make sure, you know, everything was okay. But even what I saw in just the nighttime, it actually took me out of psych. I was like, if this is how it is, I need to find something else, another field. Um, I felt so horrible for these kids. I felt bad. And and maybe that I, I'm just the empathy I get, like, I don't know, it's partly that, but I was also quite, I wasn't that much older than these kids yeah, yeah. too. That was like, I thought, oh my God, you know, I'm not much older either. The things I saw at night and really. Like what? Like abuse? Like what? Um, well, no, I just, um, so at night, um, so well, I would heard things when shifts would change. So like the staff would steal the kids gifts. They would get like really expensive makeup, like Chanel staff would just take it. Um, it was theirs, you know, gifts like, you know, Gucci bags and stuff, you know, um, they just take it. The kids didn't get their gifts from their parents. Um, that was just from the staff. And then, um, morning they'd line up for their morning meds. They'd line right up, you know, they'd have them line up for whatever they were drugging them up with in the morning. They drug them up at night. Mm-hmm. I just felt bad because I could see what the kids were going through because they were right. It was more that their parents dumped them off. Yeah, exactly. The whole fucking thing. Yeah. I identified patients too. Yeah. It's like the whole issue was my parents couldn't deal with me and they dumped me off in this place and I'm stuck here. I, the girls would have sexual encounters with each other in the rooms at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were actually, that was their sexuality, but it's kind of, it made me feel like we were in this gel mindset. Do mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that kind of thing was going on. I, I think the daytime was actually worse because everybody's supposed to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the, the eating disorder girls would exercise in their beds. Like we'd have to stop them from moving. They'd be sitting in there rolling up. One girl would put all of her clothes on and work out mm. in the middle of the night. So I'm in there with a flashlight. And again, I didn't see the abuse of staff as much because I was the only one on my area. So, but point being they're alone. Mm sleeping with another adult like I could have done anything that mm -hmm. was my fear and then I saw all of this like I was the one like when stressed like I gotta protect these girls but who even knows so I can see where the other abuse I didn't see like the horrible things in the day but I saw the nighttime stuff which I'm like this has got to be coming out you know, and I just like, I got to go another route because I thought, is this psych? Is this how we treat kids? I just, it, and, and I even, that's the only job I only gave like one week's notice. Every mm -hmm. job, I'm like you get a month of my time and oh my God. But I was like, I'm out of here. I just felt so bad for him. We had one. This is what really I was out. One girl chewed open her wrist mm. all night. I wasn't watching her at the time, but had chewed it open to bleed, rubbed it on the wall. And we had to, I wasn't, it, I was there that night, called the ambulance. It wasn't enough. She didn't get to an artery, but rubbed it on the wall because, and then we were, the one girl who has friends with that was over her unit, because they'd switch us every like half hour said that she said, well, if I do this, then my parents will come and get me. Mm. It's a cry for help. And then they put her after that, we watched her in the hall with her wrist wrapped up. They just put her, made her put her mattress in the hall. Mm. And then I would, like us as staff would just have to watch her sleep over. Like, and I don't, that's not comfortable for her. I just, I, again, I didn't see some of what I've heard, but this was just nighttime. Yeah, it's dehumanizing. Well, right. And I just like, I, I thought, well, and, and I'm sure it was from my background. I'm like, God, if this is happening at night, I can only imagine what's happening today. And, and again, I'm just think I'm not that much older, you know, and I'm probably thinking, God, my shitty stuff, my parents didn't dump me off somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. Now I'm stuck with these other teenagers stealing my only gifts. It just, <laughs> and and then I've heard worse things. Provo Canyon's horrid, horrid. Is it still horrid. open? Yeah. Is it? And there's the reviews, and people have come back. I that's the one Paris Hilton went to, and if you just go and read the reviews, you know, kids have went there and. That's like sexual abuse, violence. Um, I didn't see it, but I'm pretty sure there was sexual abuse going on at this place with other staff. Because um, mm -hmm. it was somewhat of a target because we'd meet up at the first of the shift and the men would go to the men unit and the women to the women. But there, I remember there would always be like a creepy dude and they're like, and then he just wasn't there the next week. And they'd say, oh, well, he didn't pass the background check. Mm -hmm. Like, you're advertising to watch kids at night. Yeah, it's just a messed up system. I And I don't know why Utah's so prominent for this. Is like, we're just a, 
And even the small town I grew up in, they do this and call it a wilderness. Yeah, yeah, wilderness programs. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know how this state, I think it's a, we care about kids and families and it's went way Bad. Well, they have a lot of in there. I mean, they're just kind of all over. The, I mean, there's a lot in like Montana and Idaho and just kind of all over there. Um, so let's hear a good shit show dating story. Oh, <laughs> there's too many. There's too many. Give me a good one. And this and, and I have paused dating for two years. So I just kind of had it. I just had it before COVID. My last one was in December of 2019. I remember it. Um, but one of my last ones, oh boy, this is funny. My friends would say that I have so many stories that they just can't even believe with. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm just trying to pick a good one. I know I'll pick one that's like, that's not that great. You've built it all up. I just pick some real, real winners here. I can relate. Pick a top, top, top one. Oh, recent, like before I paused, one of one of the reasons before I paused, I remember this guy. So I show up, you know, and-, and Is this the first date? Yeah, show okay. up, we met online, right? Um, You know, and as when we get like- we want to look good, you know, like we spend some time, you know, and so I, he walks in, he's late. Bleh. And and I'm not always on time, but I feel like this is kind of got to be on time and walks in. He's like, oh, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> Are you little? I'm five one. Okay. Question it. So yeah. five ones with yoga. Yeah. Five is really like, I'm like the dudes on the sites. Like I'm giving myself an inch for sure. <laughs> but I don't lie about that. I put that on my, yeah, yeah. of course they don't read it. So I was just like, oh, wonderful. Cause he was taller. So I'm like, oh, great. So we sit down, we sit down right away. I, my parents abused me. I'm divorced. I mean, just first two words. And I was like, yeah, I saw that you've been married on your profile. My parents abused me. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. My parents abused me. My dad's disabled and he's abused me. I mean, first word. Like, not I mean, even I at least wait until the appetizers get there. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> there was no drinks, no water. I was just like. Uh, I'm sure your mom, your parents abused you. Ah, so of course I started <laughs> drinking. Because this was before, you know. I I thought I had, you know. That's why I do on dates. They stress me out, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. need another drink here to calm down. <laughs> listen to this stuff. So I start drinking. Then he goes into telling me because he was kind of a. He's like an F boy look, like a, I work out. I think I'm wonderful. I drive a Mustang. Um, goes on to tell me, oh, I bet I eat less than you. You eat way more than me. I thought you'd be more in shape. Uh, and this guy, I'm telling you, is like 6'5", probably weighs like 250. At the time, I weighed 105 pounds, right? Like I'm a teeny little lady. 
And I'm just, okay. So I keep drinking. I mean, more on of his life. It's horrible. Then goes on. <laughs> I have an ex-girlfriend and she's had five kids and she's in better shape than you. Yeah. So I'm drunk at this point. So I still am okay with this. Like, <laughs> like I'm just thinking like, but this is what happens with me. And my friends know this. I'll let this stupid shit go on. And, and then, then you'll just blow the fuck up. Yep. I like the whole place is going to know it. Yep. I instead of just saying, hey, dude, that's kind of not OK. Have a nice life. Good luck to you. That would be more mature. So then he's like, let's go to this other bar right over here. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Sounds like a good fucking time. Let's party. You're so nice. Yeah. You're the best guy I've ever met. Apparently I'm too short for you. Um, I'm too overweight and not yeah, in shape. I'm fucking 105 pounds soaking wet. And so, yeah, well, let's go this. And here's the funny thing. I usually wear heels to be normal adult size. I like them. I love them, you know. But I had tore my Achilles tendon. So I didn't mention that to that douche. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I should be wearing heels. So we go and drink. What was insane to me, I could tell the whole bar could tell he was a douche. He was offending everyone in the bar. He goes, mm-hmm. I don't usually come to places like this. This is a dive bar. Everybody hates this guy. But I'm like, you can tell, you know, like there you can, he's being loud. Like, oh, I wish somewhere else was open. I never usually come to these places on and on. He grabbed my thigh, like going to touch it. And I elbowed him. This is where I'm saying I blew mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, I had had mm-hmm. it. I should have just said, oh, I think my thigh is too fat for you. Why are you touching it? Um, Went in the bathroom, called an Uber. I was waiting at the Uber outside the bar. He comes out still trying to rub on me. <laughs> the Uber driver is even like, dude, she's got to go. I mean, like touchy shit. He still didn't get it after being elbowed. So got away. He texts me the next day. Like, I mean, just no awareness. Yeah, but clearly. One of the things he told me when he's rattling about his abuse and all this, like, that he's an empath and he really gets other people. It's <laughs> like, buddy, read the room. Everyone thinks you're a douche. Like everyone, like I, you're offending everyone in this restaurant, everyone in this bar, me, and you just can't fucking see it. So I have. So had how work. was the, how was the second date? Oh, that was guy. great. We're married now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's right here. Oh, hey, honey, come here, honey. Tell me about how short and, and non shape I am. <laughs> here let me elbow you yeah i know you like it when i do that <laughs> my kids are also too fat and too short yes, exactly <laughs> um but that's great exactly, sounds like a real exactly if you asked the second date years before that i would i would yeah. have gone on a second fucking date yeah mm. <laughs> um so tell me about what healing has looked like for you Oh, it, at first, when I, you know, fi- got on the group and everything, I was like, yes, this is my people. They think like me and everything's going to be great. And I think it was that finding it. But then for me, I've like, oh, now I'm looking at my own shit. So it's kind of been a roller coaster. 
finding the community and finding the adult child has given me the support but in the beginning I thought I kind of was Pollyanna'd out like oh this is getting great I'm fixed <laughs> I found everybody that understands me and I'm fixed but that has been a problem I've had in my whole life that I want just everything fixed immediately mm-hmm. just quick can't feel the feelings I'm just going to go in with a jackhammer and fix things. So now I'm realizing it's like, it's going to be a roller coaster, just like life is. And just dealing with that and the unfortunate thing, just like anything like fitness, training a dog, like we were talking about before this consistency and hard fucking work. It's because I think that's it's just with everything. It's like, I wish there was the magic pill, wish there was the easy way out. But no, it's been a roller coaster. But but knowing that, you know, now I have the support. It's like, yeah, this is going to be a shitty day or shitty situation. But at least I have somewhere to go. Yeah, you're not alone. And you're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I've felt like that my whole life, weirdly, even with my friends, because speaking of the dating, they just can't fucking understand. I know. I know. Tell me about and it. And now they're like, why? What are you doing? Why do you think that way? And they'll even say, you're an intelligent woman. I know. It's like, do you think I want to be this way? Because I don't. <laughs> I know. Like, is this fun for everyone? Yeah. Is this <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not having a good time. I want you to know. I just don't, no. I don't have an option. <laughs> so it's oh. like. So just speaking that and having other people that can verbalize, because I've always, you know, deterred to anger and, Mm -hmm. and actually more male type reactions, which also I think in being short woman, tiny Uh stature, it's like, when people get that from me, it's worse. (laughs) What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's very effective when I finally blow, you know. But I don't want to get to that point. No. You know, I don't no. want to be that person. And and it's really managing that. It's like managing, yeah, you're a crummy person. I need to get what I need. Be- I need to say, I need to leave that date before I elbow Yeah, him. before you elbow him in the face. Touching me, <laughs> you know, inappropriately. I hate you. And then I think, why even touch me? I hate you and I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what are three things that you like about yourself? Humor. And I've used that as a coping, but mm-hmm. it, I love a sense of humor jokes, mm-hmm. gotta be around people, you know, humor is definitely a good sense of humor. Um, I really do care about all humans and animals with other humans. It doesn't come out sometimes the greatest, like <laughs> people's kids are playing in the road. I'm like, get out. I just yes. don't want to come with my car. Like I'm overly worried about the world animals. I am killing someone. Em- yeah. Empathy gets me every time. Like I will bend over backwards, you know, for mm-hmm. others and animals. And then that I'm tenacious, I will figure out a project, put together shit because I'm alone as a female. Like I'm not maybe stubborn, too stubborn. Mm -hmm. Again, that's honing in maybe 
asking for help, but I will figure something out. And I've learned a lot by doing that, not giving up and just figuring out, okay, I'm going to put together this whole bed set by myself. I'm not going to pay someone. Um, and just being handy, like I'll figure, I'll figure it out. I need you over here to fix my microphone then. Um, <laughs> so what is, yeah. <laughs> um, what is a hope or dream that you have for your future? Well, I want to to get a new job, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's number one, number one there working on that. Um, get back to my, just the spiritual path and be more, you know, I was, was ashamed that it was woo woo and, and I really resonated with that. And it's funny now it's kind of more popular and trendy, you know? So Absolutely. I was like, Hey, I was doing this like You're 20 a cool girl all along. Yeah. I was like, uh, people were calling me Bruja and witch forever ago. No. <laughs> so getting more back into that, but I really just want to ha- be able to manage people and relationships in a better way. So it's good for everybody get a better job, you know, but just relate more in a better way. And, and I don't know what this is going to be for me yet, but there's just so much negativity and hate right now, just in general. And I want to find some way to help something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to be for me. I'm still exploring that, but that just breaks my heart that there's just so much ugliness and hate just all over. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I think a lot of it for me is like, really just being so judgmental and not realizing that like we're all just a product of our life experiences. And like, if we had grown up a certain way or had the same experience as somebody else, like we probably would think or feel like they do too. It's not because they're like a demon person, you know, I just hate that. I just, I don't know. The social media is, I think that's what it is personally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people feel comfortable just going, saying shit to people that they'd never say to their face. And I just think it's sad. So It is. And I think it also makes some people more comfortable. I agree that people in no way would say this shit to people's faces. But I think it also makes some people start to say mm-hmm. awful stuff. And, you know? And, yep, yep. It's like a training like- ground. Mm-hmm. been a keyboard warrior, warrior. All day, and mm-hmm. then they leave their house for five minutes so they're kind of still in that mindset too it's like well I'm tough guy over here in my bedroom with my laptop you know so yeah it's it's different but yeah I hope something that I can help in some way and I'm exploring what that is you're gonna find it girly well thank you so much and thank you for your time Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.